You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 281. My name's Turner Sparks. And I'm Mikhail Kaplinsky. Ooh, la la. You can find me on the road all over California for the next two weeks doing comedy. But the entire fall and winter 2020, fall 2022, winter 2023, go find all my dates at the new and improved turnersparks.com. Also, my improved. new album is coming out September 30th. Pre order it now on iTunes or Buy uh, specifically do it on iTunes because that's the only one that counts. Don't say like, oh, I listened to it on Spotify. I don't care if you listen to it on Spotify. I'd rather them not listen than listen on Spotify. Exactly. I want to go. I want to go up on the rankings. The only way to move me up in the rankings on the iTunes charts and I think the uh, the billboard charts, which I made top 10 last time. You have to buy it on iTunes. You could also buy it on Amazon, but let's buy it on iTunes. Let's get everybody to iTunes in that way. We're you want to go platinum, double platinum, 10 times? How many platinums are we going with Well, this last time I went to number two in mm. America on iTunes. So this time I want to and top 10. I got to number nine on Billboard, which is good because you can say top 10. Yeah, there this you go. time we want to go number one there across the board. Number one on Billboard charts. That would be good. <laughs> there you go. So let's beat InSync or whoever the new version of that. You're is. gonna beat Harry Styles this week. That's yeah. the new version of InSync. That's your favorite group. Anyway, that's my favorite favorite group for Kaplan. Harry Styles, <laughs> the Harry Styles group. Uh, you can find. Oh wait, Harry but if Styles you want to buy my album for me, I just sent yours off to Jan Kaplan. Kaplan, uh, the oh, CD. Yeah, you get it. I'll sign it and send it to you. Go to TurnerSparks.com for all that. Find Kaplan at Kaplan America. Kaplan America. On all social media platforms, or if you want to buy real estate in Long Island City, New York, Cap in NYC or, is the new Instagram. Yeah, handle. oh no, in the, the entire five boroughs, all of New York City, Long oh, Island sorry. City, True. Queens, Manhattan, Brooklyn. I'll even go to the Bronx for you. Staten Island for fans. Can you do oh, Jersey? Yeah. Or are you not licensed? I'm not licensed in New Jersey, but I can recommend somebody, and I get a little referral fee. So you get a help taste. Me out. I get a little taste, a little cut. Like a, Wait, you can recommend nationwide, right? Yeah, if you need, not just nationwide. We have branches, oh. Keller Williams, all around the world. So well, maybe our guest even today in, is coming in from Berlin. Can you help him get a place to live in Berlin? I believe I can. I can find. I'll do some research if he needs <laughs> Look a place. At that. I'll find him. I'll interview agents for him. I'll make sure uh. they're you know they can. Uh, well, Peter you know, saying I'll, I'll make sure I'll say I'll, Peter saying, I'll, make sure they're, <laughs> I'll make sure they're up to par, up to my high standards. And uh, the yeah, two words I know them. in German are Arvider Zane and Tenenbaum. Ich which, bin kaput. I know that, too. Kaput. Oh, kaput. yeah. Yeah. Speaking of all right, Kaplan, on the podcast today, Mikel. Well, I call him Mike. Mike Gorbachev <laughs> died a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I thought you were going to say. Yeah, OK, he did. You he call died him Mike. and he died at. I believe 91 years old. He died on mm. August 30th. Good age. We're going to go. 91 is a pretty good age. We have our uh, Oleg Denisov coming back to the show. He'll be back with us in just a second. Our to man. Talk about yeah. the legacy of Mikhail Gorbachev. In and Russia. 
well, how Russians see him, we, we kind of, well, for all of our younger listeners, how the West sees him, I think that yeah. a lot of people might not know who listen to this show. They might not, they might go, who's Mike Gorbachev? a very young audience. You hear that? You hear that uh, advertisers? Young they, don't they don't know. Mike Gorbachev. Gorbachev. They're like, who was he played oh power forward for the Denver Nuggets? Who is he? <laughs> Second round pick stashed by the Utah Jazz. Yeah, nobody knows. But I want, I'm super interested to see how the Russians view uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. But Kaplan, before all that, yeah. patreon.com slash lost in America for $5 a month. You get Kaplan and I doing our full throttle comedy podcast live from the bunker. 30 minute episodes. Listen on your way to work. Listen on your way home from work. You'll love it. Everybody loves it. Patreon.com slash lost in America and do it just to support the show. Just so we know you're listening to this show. How about that? Yeah, do it for us. You know, don't do it for yourselves, but it is a gift because you're going to have to go back to work now. Everyone's going back to work after Labor Day. It's over. The COVID economy is over. You got to get back to the office. You're going to be miserable all day. Have 30 minutes of laughs on the way in, the way out. The, and, la- uh, the, the fun the, of the last two years is over. The party chain's over. But <laughs> the you will party. Of <laughs> Sorry, get out of your pajamas. Pandemic. You got to put your pants back on. Got to get them dry cleaned. But so start with patreon.com slash lost in America yeah. and listen to us now, Kaplan. Mm. What is uh, well, let's talk about Mikhail Gorbachev. Let's just say, what yeah. do you know of him? Not his legacy. What do you know of him historically as a person? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not a, a, a millennial. I'm a I'm a I'm a Gen Zer, so I know him. Well. I know him well. But um, or Gen Xer, I'm a Gen Xer. But anyway, I know Gorbachev. <laughs> you're not Gen Z. Would be, I mean, you're like <laughs> well, so great well, you are a Harry Styles group fan. So. It's Harry's house over here. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I mean, Gorbachev was what do you mean? What do I know about? Him? He was in charge when the Cold War ended. He was the guy Reagan said, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev. And in no uncertain terms, he listened. The wall came down. I mean, not, <laughs> he maybe, maybe not because of Gorbachev, but he's a good listener. He's a good listener. He saw he saw where, where the world was going. Um, he had the great mark on his head, you know, which I always wanted to, if I, if Can I ever shaved my head, with the basics Kaplan, yeah, cause yeah. I think you're overestimating our audience. Yeah. Our audience are a bunch of dummies. He was the president of, of uh, the USSR, right? USSR. Of Russia. In the mid eighties, he became the premier of the, of the USSR. Yes. Was he the, and I don't even actually know if he was for Russia or the entire thing. No, no. The Soviet union. We're off to the a great union, start. The entire <laughs> you know, union. You know, the USSR back in the USSR before. Before Putin, there was a whole federation of countries. Yes. Back so, when that Nikolai Volkov was in the WWF, you know, that whole the whole where, crew. That's where you get your uh, boy. Where's going to be a great <laughs> yeah. episode. So he was it. But he also so to us in the West, I think he was like some kind of he's I, I know of him as a he. My parents spoke glowingly of him. He was such a good man. But then you start reading about him. And frankly, if you're someone who liked the USSR, you probably <laughs> who was that. The, probably weren't the biggest fan well my understanding of him was always that he was he didn't want to he was sort of like a centrist he wanted to keep it he wanted to keep the band together he just it's he wanted to like change a few things he he was aware that the soviet union was going broke that we were spending all this money on uh military defense and they were trying to keep up with us forever and it wasn't going to work out so well again you may have just said this but (laughs) it's it's very early in the morning for me where i am in california right now so i don't know but uh, let's just to make it clear, he was the pr- he was the premier of the USSR, and then it fe- it fell under his watch. Basically, now the Soviet Union fell under his watch. He st- and then the then Boris Yeltsin came in, and we had the swing in nineties of sw- no holds bar, drinking vodka, having a good time. So let's bring in our guest. The stage this guy yeah. is uh, coming to us from Berlin. He is he's been on our podcast many times. You all know him. You all love him. He former resident of Moscow, currently in Berlin, and is now. Starting 
the East West Comedy Club in Berlin, Germany. How about that? He's guy's been there a couple months. He's already uh, he's already kicking these these Germans. It takes them years to start a comedy club. He did it in a few months. I mean, how about Germans that, are such hilarious people. That, yeah. <laughs> welcome today's guest, uh, our favorite Oleg Denisov. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Always fun uh, to be on your show. And sorry for because of, it's because of me. You had to wake up at like 6 a.m. or something. No, so, yeah, we should no, say no. Turner's in California. He's at he's the 7 a.m. for him. And so he's a little he's a little groggy. I'm a little yeah, I'm doing more. Right. This is morning radio. Morning hour. radio, Turner style. Yeah. <laughs> So Kaplan's on in New York City, East Coast, so 10, 10 a.m. Um, yeah. Oleg, no, so- you can appreciate now, you know, the professionalism, all the early morning hosts who are like happy and I kind of like really energetic. This. Yeah, they're on the air at well. 6 a.m. And they're like, wow, it's uh, five past the hour, uh, high traffic <laughs> on the 101. Wow, I'm going to be partly cloudy today. Like, how do these guys do it? I don't know. Oleg, yeah. tell us about the comedy club. First of all, the comedy, the shows, whatever it is in, in Berlin. Well, it's not a, so, so much a club yet. It's uh, hopefully it will become a club at some point. It's just starting a couple of nights, uh, kind of two really lovely venues, which are kind of really professional venues. And I'm just trying to be, bring something kind of new, something uh, so, so something like I see what a comedy club should be uh, to to Berlin, and just you know see how it goes. If people appreciate it here, um, you know, as an organization and as a kind of a type of communicating with the audience. Um, because it's, it's, um, um, you know, there's uh, like in general in Berlin and Europe, like the comedy scene is like really on the rise now, like especially international English speaking comedy scene. So everybody's starting, uh, something and, you know, hopefully, um, it will be successful. You know, there's not much to say yet, but you know, you're all welcome. East West comedy club, just Google it. You can find it. <laughs> so when you, how long have you been there now? Um, well, with the, uh, I had some breaks, uh, but in general, I came here on the 1st of March. Okay. Um, and then I had to go, go back to Russia for like documents reasons. Uh, and then I had to, I went to Edinburgh Fringe for like almost three weeks. Just now, just like last week I came back. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall about uh, six months, uh, but just with, with some breaks. Six months in Berlin and with with breaks, and it's no problem getting in and out of Russia these days. Um, well, I mean, I didn't have any problems. You know, I think yeah. uh, like a lot of people were kind of warning me against it, but I wanted to, you know, because well, I wanted to finish my immigration process like properly, you know, by the book, uh, because a lot of people, for example, the guys who I worked with here, like on TV and stuff, they said like, oh, you know, don't go there. We'll kind of fix fix up some kind of scheme that you do you not supposed to go and then you know you kind of apply for some sort of like a humanitarian visa thing but then you know i i know that these things are extremely unreliable so i just took the the, the chance and actually went, went back so uh yeah I, frankly i think uh, for, frankly i think that you know now putin and everybody they have like a bigger fish to fry than comedians in general for now was <laughs> so, that the worry now, though? yeah the worry was specifically because you were a comedian who had said well, who'd but, been outspoken about certain things yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was on, on German TV for like a prime, on a primetime show, you know, talking about so technically that. Well, you've also been on this podcast. You've been on this podcast. Yeah. I know Putin's a listener. He's one of our. <laughs> okay. He used to be a Patreon. <laughs> His Just credit card. He I changed credit cards. So we lost him. credit cards. So we lost him. He doesn't have the money for you anymore. Yeah, yeah oil. Pro- but <laughs> if you speak, it. promise me you'll be careful and don't stand too close to the windows over there. Okay. Only, <laughs> yeah, pe- yeah. Yeah. 
people see a really nice view by the way it's it's, it's so fu- it's so funny i i live here on uh, the street which is called karl marx allee uh-huh. And it used to be called, uh, yeah, yeah. And it used to be called Stalin Alley after the war because it's East Berlin, and it was the part which was completely destroyed. And then they built like you know, like the main street of East Berlin in the kind of like in the ideal way, like like the Soviet Union like street in Moscow, sort of like, uh, but like uh, like in a, in an ideal world, that's what Soviet Union should look like. And I'm living in one of the houses which are kind of like modeled Soviet houses. So you, it's like little oh. Moscow. Little, yeah, you feel yeah, like- yeah, yeah. But like one street of like the Moscow, which kind of never happened, which is kind of like the <laughs> ideal model of Moscow. Something so like, like Marxist backpackers all believe this was what the Soviet Union looked like. <laughs> Marxist, Kinda, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. every backpacker a Marxist backpacker? That's, yeah, all right, it's redundant, sorry. <laughs> so, and, so is that the law? If you're Russian, you have to live in East Germany? Uh, no, it just happened. You know. that's, all, that's, that's the irony of fate. I don't know. I was I was supposedly moving forward. Turn, turns out I was moving backwards. And the yeah. invisible wall keeps you there. <laughs> and uh, all right, let's. And I want to get into comedy, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's get it. Let's get into Mikhail Gorbachev. So he, uh, we, Kaplan and I, but we we knew about him. Like we've always known about him, right? He was he big seen deal. in the West as this big hero, as far as I understand. Because he uh, came to his senses and ended the Cold War is kind of how it's told here by D. I don't, D, I don't know if he denuclearized. He, he um, de-escalated. De-escalated the, the arms okay. race, right? And he yeah, made much. open elections in 1980. So he came to power in 85. And then can you tell us about, I guess, go ahead. Tell us about his yeah. history from what you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, f- first of all, I was like really c- confused the first time you call you actually call him Mike Gorbachev is the only like, <laughs> only time t- anybody has called him that. Like this is the most American thing ever. That's how Turner. <laughs> that's how they refer to him in the Sparks household. I over call dinner him Mike. Night. They say you see like what Mike, Mike Gorbachev, Gorbachev did today. <laughs> Mike Gorbachev is like a drummer for a weird Al Yankovic or something like this. It's, <laughs> it's like extremely funny name. Uh, Very familiar here. Yeah, yeah. But basically, basically, of course, you know, we all we kind of we know the story kind of in essence. But then I think that's the whole kind of point why why he's such a such a polarizing figure, because uh, like depending on, you know, where people stand on, you know, the Soviet Union, and whether or not it was good or bad, like they would tell the story kind of completely uh differently like and, and they would see his role completely differently but yeah he became he did the, the premier as you said or general secretary of the, the, the uh, central party committee the, the, the basically the head of state of the soviet union uh and then uh, basically what he did is like um uh he introduced some reforms uh, and you know in retrospect a lot of people see that those reforms were kind of inevitable and you know those some of many of those things were inevitable well, for example, that as you said, yeah, like Cold War, which was basically that the Soviet Union was losing it, and there was uh, the uh, the time for reforms was lost because uh, for reforms it was lost when the the prices of you know like oil and everything that it, it, they went down, and so like it was like the country was facing severe economic crisis. A lot of money was going to a war in Afghanistan war, which was kind of like just draining the budget a lot and like didn't bring any results. So yeah, he ended the war. He ended the, the war in Afghanistan, and he introduced some, um, well, let's say freedoms, yeah, liberties for people, which would allow them to actually take some of the economic processes in their own hands, uh, and basically form uh, uh, companies, for, form private companies. The only thing that wasn't private 
uh, was uh, like they couldn't have private, um, well, basically private property in, in the modern sense, right? So they could have uh, uh, like means of production, but they couldn't have like the land, for example. But in general, like they were allowed to do business basically, and people kind of started doing business. Basically, I think the kind of the best parallel in, in, in Russian history is like what Lenin did after the, like in the 20s when he was um, like the country was like completely economic complete economic ruin he introduced like new economic policy and lenin said like well, this is like kind of not how i see it going like later but this is like a necessary thing to do now because otherwise everybody will starve so i'll just kind of give people freedom to do business to kind of to to run their own lives and this is kind of like the best sort of like anti-advertising for you know socialist method it's like <laughs> yeah well i mean like uh, this is very correct what we're doing yeah but uh, people are starving what to do let's cancel <laughs> it for a while you know Just, <laughs> uh, hey so, starving yeah, people way, what if you opened a business yeah yeah i didn't yeah, realize yeah, but, lenin did a little capitalism in his youth oh he <laughs> did yeah yeah, yeah yeah he did um it was uh, a few years and like the the G gdp like skyrocketed like it went it went up you know like obviously you know, the, 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 the economics was, you know started started to boom uh, but but then, as promised, basically he kind of closed closed this period as well. So and then went went back to planned economics, right? For, so the, the issue with starting a business, um, I, I've started a business in a country that had a similar philosophy of uh, let the people in, in China. They said, yeah. Uh, in in 89 well in 80 i guess in 1980 they started liberalizing the economy a little bit so people could start you had the freedom to make money but kind of that was the main freedom you were given was the freedom yeah, to start yeah, your own yeah, business yeah, yeah. same same as uh, uh what you're saying with with uh, USSR which is that you did, you were not, still not allowed to own land but you could the the thing they eventually came to was this and this took 30 years or whatever but it was the decision that you could own in China you could own um your apartment for yeah. 75 years or something, but you could not yeah, own the yeah, land. Like the long -term lease, land on it. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could own it for basically like the life of a person was the idea. You could own it for All that right. long, but you, you can't pass it down. Sell it to anyone. I mean, you could sell it, but you still, mm. it only lasted that long. Not so. a good real estate business with that model. Yeah. It wasn't it an idea that you <laughs> I'm not going bought there. a bunch of them and sold them. That happened. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. was it a similar idea? Well, it, it was a similar idea. And actually, a lot of people now who are kind of like, um, uh, who are, um, well, let's say, uh, like disapprove what Gorbachev did, like they kind of, uh, I mean, mostly back in Russia, right? Uh, they kind of, they say, like, they like to compare what he did with what Dan Xiaoping did in, in China. Xiaoping, so basically, yeah. it was a similar process. Yeah, like the, who basically the one who make, who made the Chinese economic miracle possible, who kind of built the foundation for the economics, which is like kind of really apart from some apart from some stuff, like it's uh, it has planned elements, but it's really capitalist in terms of kind of like what people can do with their lives. Uh, and this is like so they compare, and and he actually the dense helping he made the the country stronger rather than and, and Soviet Union collapsed. So kind of they say like that this is kind of a more like a better way of doing it. But uh, it's um, uh, also I think important to remember like. One one thing about uh, the Soviet Union, the difference between like Chinese government and the Soviet and the the, the, the Soviet government, because um, the Chinese uh, elite and Deng Xiaoping himself, 
uh, he actually he studied I think in Switzerland or something like this, and he lived in the West. He lived uh, and kind of he uh, communicated with you know like people like economists and you know politicians in the West. So basically, he had the idea of um, how like how economic uh, like how the economic structure should work, how capitalism should work, and also China in general uh, was kind of like apart from like the Mao years, uh, China was always kind of open to to like. Uh, taking or even stealing some technical advances from the, you know, from 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 the from the other places when they when they where they actually do stuff better. So it was never a problem for them. So China, I mean, technological isolation was never their goal. And so basically, they um, uh, introduced it kind of with a lot more uh, knowledge involved. And literally, and Gorbachev, as well as everybody who was around him, all of these people, they literally they. They had no clue what they were doing in terms of like b- building like elements of capitalism. So that's why the reforms were only partly kind of uh, uh, worked only to some extent, but not really. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that was the main problem. I was I was surprised to find out during my research that he only came into power in 1985 because he acted quickly. By 1989, he was having open free elections, right? And yeah, he yeah, had. Yeah. Uh, he had taken the controls off of the media. So it was also free. His idea was to have free, free elections and free media. So the yeah. newspapers, the well, to, to an extent, of course. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but in comparison to what, what was before. Yeah. But yeah. his goal was of course, like his goal. And he uh, expressly said this like later and during the time that his goal was to uh, keep the Soviet union as it was, to right. keep the Soviet union as it was, but like liberalize it, to make economics stronger and just basically to keep the country uh, rather than to to make it disintegrate. And then uh, he, by his own admission, he kind of failed in this. And, you know, I think it's kind of difficult to um, uh, kind of analyze what he said afterwards because uh, he was kind of still, he still considered himself like part of the line of the Russian leaders. And for example, even when it was clear that he didn't agree with something, for example, what Putin did, like with, with the war, for example, he would never kind of openly say like, oh, you know, I'm against Putin with this. I'm against like this guy with this, because he saw himself as part of the tradition, you know, of Russian um, heads of state. So he kind of didn't see like, he saw it as unethical to, to, to speak about it, uh, to directly oppose some other head of state, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, he tried to he tried to um, he tried to uh, make the country strong. He tried to kind of tried to keep it together. But then, uh, when he was kind of forced to um, uh, to uh, sign the the agreement, which uh, basically meant the dissolution of the USSR and creation of the Union of what's it called CIS, CIS like the, the CIS, the, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the community of international states or something like that, or yeah, independent states. I think community of independent states. Um, and then there was like a coup. Uh, the, 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 if you remember Yeltsin this, this and a few others basically Yeltsin. organized. No, 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 not Yeltsin. Or, or, it no? was against Yeltsin. No, no, oh, it was, it oh, was the, the old Soviet, uh, like old Soviet uh, autocrats, basically the, the ministries oh, right, of, right, the, right. of the Soviet government, who actually kind of uh, tried to seize the power in Moscow. You know, so basically Gorbachev was uh, in, I think, in Crimea or something like this, somewhere in the south. And they yes. kind of. Uh, he was on vacation there. in Crimea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Place. <laughs> in and, 1991, uh, I believe. So yeah, and Yeltsin, Yeltsin was in Moscow, and so they tried to seize power in Moscow, and then uh, 
after this didn't work, obviously Yeltsin was very, very popular after, after this didn't work because he strongly opposed this and he said, yeah, we don't want this. We don't want this kind of old Soviet style. Uh, and so it was kind of what propelled Yeltsin, one of the you know biggest things is propelled Yeltsin to power. Because Yeltsin wants to make stronger was... reforms, right, than even Gorbachev was proposing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Yeltsin, so want, Yeltsin came along after Gorbachev and wanted Gorbach- wanted even closer ties to the West and all that kind of stuff. He wanted to go yeah, to yeah, NTC. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, he became the... So, Gorbachev was the first and the last president of USSR. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Yeltsin was the first president of Russia, independent Russia. Yes, okay. The first so and the last. Part of one process. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a good, that's a good Bullhar set. That's pretty good. <laughs> the first and the last. Yeah. So, do but, you remember this time? Yeah. Well, I, it's actually like I don't remember this time. I th- for some reason I thought uh, I remember this time uh, because you know when I was little I was growing up in Moscow and I remember I was uh, on a bus when I was little and uh, I remember there were tanks in in the city and I remember this and so I kind of but but actually it was a different event. It was uh, an event in 1993 because there's so many fucking coups in Russia that it's hard <laughs> to keep track. Keep yeah. track of all the times you've seen tanks in the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much tanks. Uh, so too many tanks. So uh, actually, I don't, I don't really remember this time, but I remember the 90s. What happened? What happened afterwards? And um, yeah, like, you're, yeah, you're kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of really easy to understand, you know, why some people, such as Putin, for example, like, uh, also, he never publicly spoke negatively of Gorbachev, but what he said, uh, like, that his main legacy, of course, is that the Soviet Union collapsed. And Putin by himself, Putin said that, oh, this is like a, the biggest catastrophe, like geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. Yes. And uh, it's like, it's really weird, you know, thing to say, because like Hitler is like, am I a joke to you? Like, yeah, yeah. It's- <laughs> of the 20th century, <laughs> not the second half of the 20th century. Or- I yeah, think that's yeah, yeah. Putin's most decade. famous quote in the West, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, is and it, it seems Gorbachev- to be his driving factor. Yeah, his dr- yeah is, it, is it Gorbachev? That was the biggest failure, or what, what, what was the exact quote? Um, disaster in the 20th century. And even what he's doing today is trying to make amend, correct that wrong. With as yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, does he much. blame Gorbachev? You're saying he doesn't ever blame Gorbachev though publicly. No, he never. But I mean, let, this is kind of the tradition which kind of Russian like state leaders they always kind of I think they um, they keep to this tradition. They never openly criticize the other ones. It's like America. We're supposed to do. They used to then, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before say, Trump. Before Trump, they used to say <laughs> ex presidents. Would never criticize current. We would presidents. all be best yeah. friends afterwards. Yeah. And then Trump yeah. just called everyone an asshole. And then... <laughs> Trump screwed the whole thing yeah. up, including yeah. like his own party. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter about party before Trump. Yeah, yeah. But basically, yeah. But basically, his legacy, his main legacy, is seen by you know most people now is like everything else kind of faded, everything else kind of kind of got forgotten. But the fact that he presided over the the dissolution of the Soviet Union is the kind of the main fact that you know everybody in Russia knows because also there is a kind of big problem with the. Kind of school history and school education, for example, school universities now is obviously like this whole period is kind of seen uh, like a little bit differently, of course, like because in the ni- in the 90s, early 2000s, uh, it was seen as like mostly positive, of course, you know, because everybody was kind of, you know, uh, enjoying the, 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 the Soviet, the um, post-Soviet kind of existence, even though like it, it was difficult, it was a difficult time, but, um, you know, people who actually lived long enough in the in the Soviet Union kind of a lot of them actually kind of uh, appreciated what was happening they appreciated um, then, the end of it because they had to live through it 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, now, yeah, so, if you mm-hmm. didn't have to, if you didn't have to live through it, you might see it differently. So, was it taught uh, the way you were taught in school about the fall, about the end of the USSR? Is that different from the way now, kids today yeah. would be taught in school? Well, yeah, it would it would be because uh, like of the different, not because of the different events, let's say, but because of the different kind of set of values, which kind of the education the now is trying yeah. to. Yeah, the emphasis on on different things. Yeah, for example, now the emphasis uh, the emphasis should be like the the well, there should be a strong state and a strong leader. And Gorbachev, because he did this, uh, that's the difference. In Russia, he's like, but by almost everybody, he's seen as a kind of like a weak leader, uh, which is kind of a bad thing in in just uh, in its own, to, you know, kind of in its own merits. Like it's a bad thing, you know, because he didn't use force, right, to to like other states, the part of the union, yeah, like yeah, Armenia, yeah, yeah. Azerbaijan, a bunch of others. He would never send in troops. That was uh, that was a break with the past. You mean when yeah, they were yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. leave the country? When they were trying to leave or protest, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a big uh, fear, I think, in the West and America, that uh, when it was the dissolution started happening, like that was the main fear because, like, it's such a militarist country. Like, there's a lot of uh, like heavy weaponry, all nuclear weapons, and uh, the country which before, for example held on like you know used the military to to keep uh, you know uh, countries like uh, you know like Hungary and Czech Republic in the the eastern orbit uh, when they tried to break out and so they just you know they just sent you know tanks there uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, by the way uh, in, in if we speak about this situation which is happening now just uh, as kind of like the scale of events i recently i recently kind of um, you know, found out this this fact that uh, like the the not, what is the the quantity of the army that putin is using like was started using at the beginning of the war in ukraine it was about 200,000 and when soviet union was sending tanks to prague i think in the 60s uh, it was literally it was uh, they sent 500,000 troops just to Prague to crush a re- just, uh, just protest to Prague and then yeah and they didn't even like they didn't even have like a like they didn't even expect to have like a, an actual conflict that wasn't even a war just, yeah that was yeah, just yeah, a yeah, message just sending a message just, <laughs> just to send a message just to show that they're serious you know like a completely different scale of the um, level of military power. involvement yeah right. the level of power yeah and so it was a huge fear in the west uh, of course uh, that that it would happen uh, like uh, that uh, that he would try to force it but basically it was according to the constitution's constitution of the ussr that you know uh, nations have the right for uh, self um, kind of like they didn't say independence but kind of like to decide for themselves nation self governance so, yes yeah. Yeah, and that's so why I think why Gorbachev is so revered, right? Here, because yeah. it wasn't, we all expected it. I mean, not we all, but people back then expected it to be bloody yeah. if the Soviet Union was going to fall. And it really wasn't. So, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I was reading that even to uh, Margaret Thatcher and Reagan, who I guess were, were in office um, <laughs> at the time, and Bush Jr., it, I mean, Bush, Bush, uh, Bush original Senior. Bush, Senior. Uh, yeah, w, Bush Senior, not W, is that they, uh, he, they almost didn't believe what they were seeing, which is that yeah. he was saying, Hey, I want to work with you guys. And they were like, yeah, right. What's the trick? Yeah. yeah what's, 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 what's the scam? What's the cash? And then it yeah. took Margaret Thatcher calling Reagan and uh, original Bush and going, no, 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 it's real. He really is like a, a good guy. We really can work I with gave- him. We've shared <laughs> values. I think was the term they all used. We had shared values. Yeah. So I want to get into his, what he, 
what his ideal uh, state for Russia would have been. But first, we got to take a break, Kaplan. We're part. This this podcast is flying by right now. We're we're part yeah, of the world's smartest podcast network. It is uh, us, Lost in America. It is the political orphanage with Andrew Heaton. I'm going to be on that show pretty soon, promoting this, oh. uh, promoting my new comedy album. Then you'll, you'll go to number one among libertarians. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> they're they're their own charts. The big libertarians. <laughs> by the way, some guy who's a listener to Heaton. Uh, tweeted at me something about my album yesterday on on Twitter, and I looked up his his Twitter handle, and it's the most heat and listener Twitter Twitter handle of all time. It's a uh, 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 veteran, like U.S. veteran and proud deserter. <laughs> That's perfect, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's real. I was yeah. like, this guy's the best. We're also uh, the shout um, out to him. The uh, Majoring in Everything podcast with uh, Professor Andrew Heath. Which you were just on as well, Sorry, right? Professor Andrew tour? Jones-Roy. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Dr. Andrew Jones-Roy. Gosh, I'm, it's too early. She is a professor too, though. She's both. And she's both. She's all of that. Heaton's none of it. She's all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's all of us. And now, Kaplan, a word from your local sponsor. All right, we're back. Thank you to the sponsors. That's why we love private. Uh, we love capitalism, not communist <laughs> podcasting, because we would not have sponsors in a communist podcast world. So, well, you could. No, you Thank could. You can. You have the freedom oh, the, to the make state. money, Kaplan. Oh, yeah. And, and Gorbachev would have made it for we, us to have sponsors. That's why I like him. Well, they call, in China, they call it communism with Chinese characteristics. <laughs> Bill Raptor. The, the Chinese characteristics are, well, you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, there you with go. With money, with money, not with anything else, but with money. So anyway, man and man um, principles. So anyway. what was the? Uh, it seems like Gorbachev wanted to keep. He always said he wanted to keep uh, socialism, right? Yeah, intact. Was so was the goal to become something like Sweden or like a Nordic country? Mm, well, I think for, uh, well, the, the goal, like I think, like as he as he was, uh, you know, speaking about it himself. Like first of all, what he what he wanted to do is, uh, uh, like to to keep like, but basically, what what he realized that um, the main source of the whole problem is this kind of double thing that is created all the time. Like it's basically that, uh, like there are problems which are always kind of muffled because it's kind of, you can't, you can't speak about it. You can't actually see it and you can't solve it where like at the, at the source of the problem. And one of the, uh, one of the ways of, uh, actually trying of solving problems like economic and social problems and at source was the federalization of the country. So basically what he was trying to do is to make uh, like uh, Russia, like Soviet Union, uh, more kind of independent. So the republics would keep as one state, as a confederation. Well, I mean, maybe something pretty much, maybe maybe something like the United States, for example, yeah. uh, was kind of like where we would have like a broad autonomy. And, you know, ironically now it's actually the most... Uh, problematic kind of people who speak about the federalization of Russian Federation, which Russia is still called the Federation, even though it doesn't function as a federation completely. Yeah. What's the federation? Uh, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, like a lot of people when they speak about uh, you know, like Putin suppressing the opposition, they say, oh, you know, the liberal opposition, and so it's being suppressed. It's it's so horrible. And some people also remember, oh, but also the uh, uh, right nationalists as well are suppressed by Putin. Uh, like the the more radical ones, but uh, a lot of people forget that actually the first uh, type of kind of political uh, independent political thought 
uh, an opposition that was suppressed and is suppressed like more than all of the others is the federalists. Is that people who actually say, well, actually, for example, there was like a movement in Siberia where they say, well, actually, here in Siberia, we actually produce all the stuff that you sell to the West, but uh, we don't get any money. We only get the money that you send us from Moscow, like, and it's not fair. And these are the people here that he started suppressing from like early in his, uh, when he just came to power, like Putin, Putin right? Did. So this Putin guy, like, yeah, 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 Putin. I'm talking about like yeah. now. So basically, federalists, like, so. Uh, federal, uh, like f- f- federal, um, um, this kind of tendencies to federalization are seen now by Putin as very, very dangerous, uh, and I think that might be the, like one of the reasons for that is because Gorbachev was trying to make a country more of a federation, more of a like a confederation actually of the independent republics, and uh, it this it kind of dissoluted at the end. So maybe like that's why Putin. He tries to keep it like keep Russian Federation as little a federation as possible. Yes. So Gorbachev, yeah, he was trying to 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 make this confederation, and he was trying to uh, basically just kind of you know solve the solve the uh, problems uh, of the uh, like that have been piling up for several decades. Uh, as of kind of ideal vision of the country, I I don't think we can kind of speculate about that because like again, just because I think think that his administration, none of them actually had the kind of the scope of understanding because like none of them were actually in depth, like had in-depth knowledge of how, you know, any of the Western states actually function, you know, like yeah. be like Scandinavian or America or anything like that. But this was kind of, this was, I think like it was a bad thing because they could, could have done many things differently. But at the same time, uh, it was clear that they still kind of, uh, they were kind of idealists, right? They were kind of idealists. Um, and uh, they kind of adhered to some ideals uh, which uh, were kind of like, um, which existed somewhere, for example, to the constitution of the Soviet Union, where the kind of the nation have the right to to be independent and whatever. So they kind of adhered to some kind of principles, and uh, this was the good thing about it. Had they been completely sort of cynical and, you know, um, com- completely consumed by this kind of, you know, state uh you know, um, uh, primate of the state situation, then, uh, you know, such as, for example, the uh, the committee that, that tried to, to make a coup, like th- these guys, because for them, it's like the state, you know, the, the keeping the powerful state, and uh, they, they were trying to install a war dictatorship. They were trying to put a general up to... Right. to, to, to uh, Ironically, the high, they didn't the care about post. the Constitution as much as... Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course not. Um, so yeah, basically, basically, I don't know what what kind of state he was trying to do, but uh, he was uh, trying to make it a, a, a more free a confederation where every region uh, would solve their own problems because it's more effective. And then he saw that people, if they solve their own problems, they are more effective at solving them than the planned economy and you know the socialist uh, state. So he kind of he just kind of tried to make. Uh, the country more kind of you know normal and you know kind of it's just kind of to get rid of the ineffective system that has been kind of building over you know generations. He basically uh, so, it sounds like he wanted to run it as like a franchise business. Where like <laughs> franchise I communism. Have, I used to have <laughs> Mr. I used to have ice cream trucks, Mr. South the ice cream trucks. We had some franchisees and I I'm a, I understand how hard it is to control people like three cities away. 
and how to how to uniform all the business, but yet give them enough autonomy. It's a delicate balance that I couldn't figure out. So it's not shocking he couldn't either. It's yeah, a, yeah. Well, basically, it's a big problem because you know, Putin couldn't run a franchise of ice cream truck. Because what he would do, yeah. he would have like an ice cream office, and then we have different trucks in sort of all this in uh, all the all the regions, and then he would send like every truck should send me I don't know like uh, I don't know five hundred dollars a month. Yes. And then he would get it and he, they would send them less money that they need to actually buy new kind of products for to yes. make ice cream. And That's then he's like, why aren't you sending me 500? And, and he would poison say, well, half of his drivers. Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Those wind- so, falling out of ice cream truck windows isn't as dangerous though, at least as. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, giving, 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 giving freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's why giving freedom to, to regions and giving freedom to people is kind of seen by Putin is a very dangerous thing. But I think with mostly because of the, the Gorbachev situation. But but isn't it like the same as with Putin where almost the price of oil has an outsized influence? Like, because it seems like that reading up on it was such a key part in the Russian economy. The Soviet Union economy that had been hanging on by a thread just kind of collapsing, right? Was the oil came down yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So which is kind of similar to what happened to Putin, right? He had more power or he had more success when Russia, when the oil was... So would, yeah, of course. anyway, Gorbachev, I guess, could have, I guess what I'm just asking is, could he have done this dream country without oil going up? Was there like a, if he had time, do you think, or, or could he could have, or it just was, no, it was doomed to fail? I, I think if, if, if the, the sort of, if, if he came to power, like, I mean, like in theory, let's say like he or somebody like him came to power like 10 years before in like the seventies when it was yeah, kind of all right. It was there flying was, high. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oil was flying high. There was no war, uh, for example, like if, if, if the Soviet Union didn't start the Afghanistan war and then all the reforms could be done kind of in a more kind of, they, they have like desperate. the safety net, the, the safety net of money, of the oil money. And so the reforms could, could actually, but, but as, as you know, <laughs> in history, it happens very often that uh, people, try to do reforms only when it's too late, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's the timing was off and going back to the franchise thing. I mean, I was joking, but it is true <laughs> that to get people to do what you want, you need to be able to offer them something that's greater than what they could do on their own. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. if you don't have that power at the home base, if the home base is poor and isn't offering Albania something great, then why do they Shout out. what's the point to staying you know i it was that i that feels like feels like that might have been his miscalculation yeah 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 cuz uh, everybody kind of uh, like started to realize that maybe they would be better off without the kind of the central uh, this kind of this kind of system the, 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 there was also the problem of trust of course because uh, like nobody really trusted the central government you know but everybody understood that it's all kind of like you know double think and uh, you know like the people say one thing on the news and in reality, nothing like this happened. So there was kind of the level of trust even between, like, let's say, the governments of the republic of the different republics uh, was also kind of not very, not very high. So uh, it, with a little bit more, let's say, kind of, if the situation hadn't been so bad originally, I think it could be kind of, kind of saved as 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 a as a, as a, as a union. But uh, yeah, it was just too late, I guess. That's uh, and, when, and now that okay. so when he died, August thirtieth. What was the uh, story in the Russian media, Russian newspapers? How was how did they frame him? Well, the thing is, uh, like it, recently, it's been really difficult to read Russian media for me. I don't really okay read them that much sure. because it's just like they became like completely 
like unpalatable, you know, to me, you know, like, uh, but again, but I, I think, they, but uh, what I notice is that they do definitely kind of, apart from some very, let's say, radical publications, they kind of keep to this tradition of actually not shitting on anybody openly, you know, okay. like, kind of just saying, well, he did a lot of things, which he, well, basically the idea is that he meant well, but it didn't work. And kind of the subtext is that, you know, he's a, a weak kind of like a weaker leader and and people if, if they write about like or oh, what he could have done differently like he should have used kind of more force and more power kind of maybe right. even military power to, to keep this together uh no <laughs> maybe you saw this on the like the news or somewhere that because uh, because putin he usually kind of he, he, he can't actually be present with large gatherings of people uh, and so he kind oh, of he, uh, he he did like a separate kind of farewell to to Gorbachev. He had his like, own funeral, kind of yeah, alone. Personal. Yeah, 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 personal, personally, just for him. He's very oh, co- funeral, he's very but... scared of COVID, so he stays and does his own personal. <laughs> yeah, respect yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so so he's uh, he's basically he, he's scared Double that masked. even dead people <laughs> can get <in> COVID. <laughs> wow. Yeah. With so a funeral, the, that what a state Putin's gotten himself to. We don't have to get too far into this because it's a whole other podcast. But the fact that he can't even show up, like he doesn't trust anyone, right? Yeah. That's how you don't get assassinated. You don't go anywhere. Yeah, I know. Right. You so- don't get COVID if you don't go anywhere to be to get, tie it back to that. You I know. Literally- but what like what's the point of all this if you literally can't enjoy any of it? You know, you have all this power. He has a stripper enjoy- pole in his apartment in his house. I saw. Yeah. So he's got. Yeah, he's, it brings entertainment in. He, he doesn't trusts leave. the strippers. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe you saw the footage as well. It's like I think like some some of his advisors probably just said, "Oh, you, we need to uh, kind of to we need to uh, present like like an image of a strong leader, and so we need to kind of actually to to speak to the people." And he was like in a Russian town, I think in Kaliningrad, and he was uh, uh, like uh, the 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 news story was like Putin. Uh, gets out of his limousine to speak to the people, and then so you can find it like on YouTube or something later. And then basically, it looks like this: there's like a street, uh, there's like a people, there's a fence, the people behind the fence, and then one car pulls pulls up here, then the other car pulls up here, and there's a lot of security guys here. And Putin gets out of this farther car from the farther side of the car. Literally, does this: "Hello, how are you doing? Goodbye." And he's going to the car. <laughs> Hi, people. And, I'm speaking like, to you. This is extremely like this is the image of a strong leader. Like this is just what we. He need. doesn't do big rallies like Trump or anything. He just. <laughs> it's a far no, cry. not really. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. How's uh, how's life in general for you in in Germany? Um, to switch gears here for a second. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's all right. You know, a lot of people in Russia, for example, and you know, because in in Russia, uh, there's a lot of stories uh, like on the news and stuff that. Uh, are about how you know like russian people are being kind of discriminated against in you know the the western countries so basically yes to scare people from uh, from uh, actually going somewhere and just in general kind of like it's not that it's not just that you're a traitor but also you treated badly there you know if you left the country but so you're not having that experience uh yeah, no not really i mean like the, the people are usually very nice uh, and uh, kind of in general, I don't see any problems. There were like initial, initially there was a lot of problems. I'm just kind of, um, uh, kind of just reflecting on it more because now I kind of, I have time to reflect about it because I just got my residency card, which is like a three year residency. Whoa, three years yeah, you got. 
There you go. Yeah. Talking yeah. to a real, a real German. <laughs> real German. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, and I kind of noticed that you know, like, um, uh, I kind of reflect back on this period. I realized how difficult it all was because, like, I didn't, I didn't have like the access to my money, for example, to my bank card. My bank cards didn't work here. Nothing worked. Uh, like the 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 flights are kind of were kind of super inconvenient, super expensive through like different countries and whatever. And uh, it was actually a pretty difficult process, uh, I think. Uh, but it's it's kind of Russia. I think I, uh, from Russia coming to Germany is also not a very popular destination because you know like the two most popular destinations to go from Russia is like uh, Turkey and Israel. Israel, which makes complete sense for people trying to get away from dictatorship and war. You know, it's, it's very, <laughs> yeah, you got, you got very a, lot of, a lot of Russian strange. Jews. They're leaving yeah. uh, Soviet Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still coming. And uh, I kind of I noticed that you know, like I can actually compare myself, uh, you know, and other people who made it, for example, to Europe uh, this way. Compare uh, uh, like these people to actual like immigrants of like a proper immigrants, like a hundred years ago sort of immigrants, yeah. or like kind of you know would put like everything they had like in, in, in suitcases and kind of go to you know a long journey somewhere and kind of which yeah, is you're like Ellis Island. Really. They should change yeah, your yeah, name. It should to be understand. all, yeah. all like they Dennis. should cut it. They should make it Germanized. <laughs> yeah. <Dennis. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I but, think like really some some things in the West, like in, in Europe, for example, are kind of devalued here in Berlin. For example, people say, oh, I'm an immigrant. Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Romania or something. And like R- Romania, as in like a member of the U- European Union, Romania, this Romania. So <laughs> yeah, what was, you, you what was the difficulty? Yeah. Like, what was the difficulty? You had, to, you had to wake up at 5 a.m. to get a air flight? Like what's the... <laughs> oh, this is <laughs> good. Are you doing this on stage? This is great <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it. I'll yeah, do something yeah. about it on stage. I mean, yeah, well, just... is, it, is it the same? Because here in the U.S., if you... Being an immigrant is something to. It used to be like shame. I don't know if shameful is the word, but no. Now it's a huge uh, uh, woke cred or whatever. You yeah, call it's like that. a credit. It's yeah. like you're okay. you're proud of it, and it helps. People whose it. parents were immigrants now say they're immigrants just yeah. to get the yeah. credit. Well, this idea people say I'm first generation, which for the yeah. longest time I thought that meant you were from the country. <laughs> yes, I recently no. found out that just means your parents yeah, are from the country. But they're like yeah. I'm first generation okay. this, so life's been tough. So first generation yeah. American, that means that the yeah, they're first. American, but they were their their parents were born in other countries, so yeah, they're trying yeah. to trick so you. So my almost. wife is so you're zero generation. I'm zero generation. If I'm anyone asks you, you're not first generation. generation. You're zero. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but they'll but they all say they'll say you're from Russia because I don't know if you saw in the U.S. Open here the tennis tournament when the Russian players play, they they don't show their country like they show every other country. They just oh, won't wow. show the. They just won't yeah, show the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. So at first I was confused. I was like, "Is that a man without a country? Like a person that, or true international?" Then I, I'm like, "Oh wait, that's a like Russian. a Tom Hanks from the yeah, yes, yeah. exactly <laughs> like a real a global, a real globalist. I don't believe in countries. I don't believe in. I don't want a country listed like Tom Hanks a, from the terminal. Yeah. So then I realized that, and the Russians are doing great this year. So there's a bunch of Russians that are far in the tournament. You see all the blank names. It, it's pretty easy to figure out. But you have to. You don't feel the need to do that. And they're not saying on the nightclub. They just say. They don't say where you're from, or they just. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, no, no. I mean, they actually, they actually, they they say it, and you know, like the, the thing about kind of doing comedy, for example, from the perspective of, of a Russian, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, the, the way the way that I figured out is that uh, you know you just address this whole thing like in the first two minutes of your performance, right. you kind of just kind of explain. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just have a, like this opening bit, like a couple of like jokes about it, and kind of like the explanation. And uh, mostly, it works really well. It happened only once. Uh, happened there was some some uh, problem was uh, in Edinburgh. It was like almost five months I've been doing comedy. I mean, 
uh, here in the in the West. And there was only once that some person actually uh, kind of was displeased with the, the fact that the Russian was even performing. And wow. So it's not because of of, of the what of what I said because my set is like very sort of you know it's sort of PC so it's, there's nothing you know yeah, nothing to suspect you know you're not like a pro Putin guy like you're actually <laughs> going yeah, up yeah, there yeah. doing the uh, <laughs> the missiles say, if you put the missiles in Mexico no you could come yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could come to Brooklyn and I could get you on some shows where initially. They yeah. would love you because <laughs> you're Russian. But then when you started talking, they might kick you out because they really. They would they say, would, I'm first yeah. generation and you're. Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically, if you have kids in Germany, your kids will in 30 years from now will be saying yeah. it, life was hard for me because I'm first generation. You know, like yeah. that's. Yeah. But I think I think in Germany and in general, in Europe, it's like actually the word immigrant means something different than in America. It's like in America is like the, the kind of the land of immigrants, let's say yeah, this and kind of Europe right. in Europe. Is like just constant kind of people passing from one country to the other and to the other. It's it's right. the melting pot rather than the. I mean, Germany's like never always quite been a melting pot, but nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, now no, no. now, <laughs> yeah, now of course, yeah. Now they're trying to make up for this yes, whole shit. Yeah, now know, it's before. a whole and passing the, through. And <laughs> but in general, Germans are. I, I, I really find some you know interesting kind of things here. Like just just even even when I just try to do, to do small talk, it's just kind of. Uh, and I asked this guy that I worked with on on, on TV and. I was like, uh, so how do you say in German, like, it's nice to meet you? Because we always say nice to meet you and nice to meet you. How do you say that in German? And he thought about it for a moment and he said, uh, well, you don't. <laughs> this, is no, this is not part of the German. Like, it's never nice. Basically. We don't have that word. Never, yeah. It's they never nice say to hello. meet people. That's say hello. Yeah, yeah. We don't nice have the words. <laughs> that's that's crazy. One of Bush's, George Bush's famous quotes when he was talking about how great, how Americans are like so... Uh, uh, engine like their ingenuity Inge. with business, and he made was a board. Like, he's like, I went to Germany. I don't know. He goes, I went to France. France. Did you know France doesn't even have a word for entrepreneur? <laughs> like a super famous. Does get I feel like this is the same. Like the Germans don't even have a word for nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't have this. Experience. They don't say it. Yeah. I mean, it would be a good game show. Like, who's less interested in small talk, a Russian or a German? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like Russians are interested in small talk. They're, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. What? Um, I was going to ask the you, uh, what's uh, the the Russians that you speak to? What do they think of the whole uh, Brittany Griner situation? The the American basketball player who's. Can I predict this answer? <laughs> yeah. I, go my for answer it. is he's going to say, "Who is that?" Is that would be? Is that your answer? No, no, I mean, I know, I know it is, but uh, like, I mean, the official position is kind of really, kind of, it, it's obvious, yeah. Like, uh, in general, kind of, I think Russian people who are actually um, interested in the political situation, they see it as a, like, they see it as uh, as much of a minor accident that, that it actually is. You know, so kind of uh, like, I, I don't think it's a big story. Like, it's not a big story in Russia. It's just you know, just kind of happened. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of clear that they're trying to use it as like leverage for you know maybe just to exchange some you know some her for 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 somebody. But also you know the, it's a very strict thing about you know kind of drugs in Russia. Same as in China, like in China, very it's tough. On China. Yeah, I think she, that could easily happen in China, for example. Oh, easily that would happen yeah, in so China. That I mean, would like, happen. So Turner never brought his hash oil to China. I have a different perspective <laughs> on all this than a lot of Americans do. I think because I lived in China, I've been to Thailand, I've been to all these places 
where you just know you don't bring anything with you, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. You follow the rules because exactly for this reason, especially if you're high profile, even more likely. This yeah. idea where like this wouldn't happen in my country, but you're not in your country. That's like to me, it's it's the most American attitude to that your laws don't travel with you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like respect for cultures here is a is a value, a liberal value. But then apparently, when you're traveling, not obviously it's ridiculous the sentence and everything. Yeah, the other way, but yes. But and obviously she's a pawn and I would hate to be a pawn. I mean, I would never get they would, if I got captured, they wouldn't be getting no arms dealer back for me. There's no <laughs> headlines. No, yeah. I, what would Biden give up to get me back? Like, <laughs> I don't think I don't know. A stick of gum. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but with you. Yeah. What? I know what would happen. They would uh, make a deal with you. So you become like for instead of serving like eight years in prison, you would serve for eight years as like an American expert on uh, Russian television. Everybody oh. would kick the shit out of you. Just say like, you're you're wrong. And you're like, oh, yes, and I have to I take am. it. I can't. Oh, you'd be a useful <laughs> idiot. That's, I yeah, could do yeah, that. Yeah. I could be a stooge. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was just watching this thing on Vice TV here where they ha- he was interviewing RT. He was interviewing like the main anchor. Oh, Russia Today, right? Russia Today, yeah. yeah and yeah. she sat down for this interview in English with him and they got like one question in and then he referred to, he didn't refer to them as freedom fighters in the Donbass region. He refer, you know, he didn't he refer to separatists. He's the wrong word. And she just goes, I can't believe you would even use that word and took off her <laughs> mic and just walked out. She's like, of course <laughs> that you would be doing. So that's what I would do. I would it'd be so much easier than doing a whole interview with this guy. It'd be great to just storm <laughs> out. Be like, you're so it's less work that way. Yeah, I'd be a great stooge. So maybe I should get some get some hash oil. You're like, it would be great if you just show up. You're there. You're the literally the uh, Russian government spokesperson for the West. <laughs> <laughs> so like to the today show in like Katie Couric's interviewing you about Russia's stance on things. Yeah, and I'll talk about my Russian uh, family, you know. What about Kipinski's? um I want I had another Gorbachev question. Yeah, let's get he, back to him. Uh, so he what made him different is he came out of office and he wasn't like exceedingly wealthy, at least from what I read, right? He doesn't yeah. have like 13,000 yachts and houses all over the place. So he he did a commercial for Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah, as a yeah, way to yeah. make money. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. In whereas I don't think any previous—I don't know if Stalin would have been doing Pizza Hut mm-hmm. commercials. Uh, how was that scene? Yeah, he would do like a Georgian, Georgian Georgian food commercials. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how was that scene? To us, I think I think I remember that commercial somehow seeing it somewhere, and we thought it was great. We because we that was you know he humanized him as they say. He was a really yeah, big fan yeah, of, of course, his. Yeah, and yeah. P- the Pizza Hut, yeah. Pizza Hut, well, everyone yeah. here loves Pizza Hut. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like how is conservative, it seen in Russia? Yeah, I mean, conservative to conservative Russians, it was kind of uh, like to, to people who kind of uh, mourned the, the Soviet Union, uh, it was kind of adding insult to injury, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not just he kind of, he made, he dissolved the Soviet Union. Now he also kind of sold out to the capitalists and kind of is doing right. commercials oh, I didn't that. Yeah. for them. Yeah, he could yeah, do so it held out of, for Papa John's. No. It's, it's it's often used as kind of against him. Oh, look at this kind of you know, look at this guy. He's like no, making money. Oh, yeah, sold out to. It's like when a band goes big, that, Turner. But yeah, isn't it yeah, better yeah. than him taking money while in office and then not needing to do the Pizza Hut commercial? Well, I, I think uh, as paradoxical as it might sound, they would have more respect for him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, American presidents don't do pizza commercials when they leave office. I mean, please, Trump. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, Trump. Yes. Ob- yeah. Well, Trump but also, would. But, uh, Obama's also, not doing there pizza. Was, 
also there was nothing like but but this is kind of like the, that's what soviet union i think like i mean in in in, in uh, like the, that was the structure of the the property in the soviet union so he could he didn't have any money like he actually didn't have it you know like yeah. even 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 stalin would would kind of if if he was for example like exiled from the soviet union like he wouldn't have any money with him he would do the right. georgian food commercial open a restaurant you know whatever he, he would you know, like the, the money the, like the structure of the property yeah, yeah like the, the all the property that was used by them uh it was state owned and uh, obviously there was no like oligarchs there was no big private companies that would bribe him bribe them or something like this so uh, like there was nowhere he could, he could get the money from. For example, the uh, same thing happened. For example, my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather. He was um, uh, one of the um, very uh, kind of like prominent. Uh, that's how how do you say it? Like uh, he worked with um, um, uh, power voltage um, masts, uh, basically building them, like the the, the the electricity masts all over the the, the country, like in Siberia and stuff. Yeah. And he was one of the top guys doing that. Like he rose from like zero to like from like a just a young engineer to like top of the uh, trust. Like a trust is like a company because actually that's what happened in Siberia, for example. Uh, uh, like that was the form of organization because the government couldn't really govern those structures. So they basically already like in the 60s, 70s, they already have this sort of companies which would... Uh, be run kind of they were state-owned but they were run as a private company you know just because it was the only way to make them effective yeah uh, and and basically and then basically and then uh, after the perestroika started he formed a company as well like a proper kind of this company of like the new new uh, new era company uh and then but then after the russian um uh, uh, russian um uh, soviet union collapsed uh, completely and the currency collapsed as well like he was literally had nothing like he uh, he has like i know you know 50 patents and you know like something like this he would be a millionaire in every other country yeah but all the patents were owned by the government and yeah. he would just get like i know 200 <laughs> rubles yeah. and you know oh, like no, so, yeah, yeah 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 the patents oh sorry, and so sorry. basically I, he I, had my... nothing yeah so, but what, but, but wouldn't like, I mean, you hear about all these, the, the that's the people much higher up the food chain, right? Like the, the yeah. government leaders at the very top, don't they all have apartments in New York city and stuff that they own or condos, I guess. Privately. That was later, right? Oh, that was later. You, you mean, yeah. you mean, you mean, which government? yeah, that was later. That was like the people who were in the government in the nineties, yeah, uh, but okay. uh, not in the eighties. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't own anything ages, in America was... then. Yeah. Yeah, they they didn't know how to steal. That's the problem. They they, they knew how to steal. Like <laughs> they were I don't too know, idealistic. Like, yeah, yeah. Paper. No, not not idealistic, but they just right. they, they couldn't imagine it. That's the whole. Yeah. That's the whole thing. They, for for them, stealing was like I don't know. If you like I know if you arrange, uh, you know, using your status, you arrange, you know, like a fresh meat from some you know the, the, the meatery, whatever, like to to come to to your family or something. Right, right. Like you, you would just kind of food. have something, but they couldn't never imagine they would steal like proper because there was no concept of you know yeah, like believe in property. real estate yeah. or anything like this yeah 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 so yeah what did your uh, parents much. do during the when it was a planned economy or work-wise was it no oh, well my parents uh, were born in the 1960s so they uh, they were uh, actually they were both engineers and they worked as engineers that's all you know then my when when uh, after the after the Soviet Union collapsed, my mom, my mom became, became a teacher. Uh, she just switched to, to teaching from, from that. And then my father, he actually formed a small company and kind of became a small business owner. 
um, yeah. But did they see positives right after it collapsed as far as early on, like there was more food on the shelves and all those you know, things? Yeah, of course. That, it, was yeah. A, that was a very interesting, like, uh, my, uh, and it's kind of like a, a problem, a personal problem for me because of how kind of my parents, they kind of changed, like, you know, they did like a U-turn, like many <laughs> Russians of their age now. Because like in the 90s, of course, they were, them and all of their friends, they were very kind of supporting what was going on and everything. And like they were kind of all saying, oh, Soviet Union, never again, not this shit, you know, <laughs> you know, of course. And they were able to, to travel and they were able to actually make some money. And uh, I remember my mom used to tell me the story uh, that when she was um, like, there was like another like economic crisis in the late 90s. <clears throat> and they were like... Um, a queue of um, uh, people in the in the supermarket because uh, there were like some deficit, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, like there were uh, she was standing in the queue and in front of the in front of her there was like a couple of older women and they were kind of nostalgic about the Soviet Union and said oh we're not gonna like look at, like you know how shit everything is uh, we're gonna we're gonna vote for Zuganov which is like the communist party of Russia like because they, they had Yeltsin as the democratic one and there was the communist and they were kind of always the elections in the 90s were between those two and they were gonna oh I'm gonna vote for communists and my mom said and uh, said uh, <clears throat> uh, well you know like if you vote for communists and even this even these products will disappear like it was before and uh, the yep. older lady said well how do they disappear that this guy is taking it from somewhere so it's kind of like, so <laughs> taking the products from somewhere. So the, the, the communists will also do that. But kind of yeah. uh, nobody really understood. So they, this, these people who are kind of blaming Gorbachev and, uh, you know, they, they didn't understand the concept of, you know, how we co- econo- economy how econ- how the economy actually functions. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but then and, and my parents were always kind of pro this whole thing and voted for Yeltsin and obviously and everything. Uh, but then in the last kind of, you know, 10, uh, 12 years, it's it came back around. really difficult. Yeah, yeah, Make yeah. Russia and, Right again, <laughs> yeah, 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 and even and, and I heard so much kind of nostalgia about like I was kind of talking to my father like a few years ago, and he was like, yeah, I mean, like the Soviet Union was like the most humane idea for a state. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, <laughs> I totally forgot all that. It's like yeah, it's amazing yeah, what the yeah. memory does to you when time goes by. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. What yeah, those, did, those lines? <laughs> what did Yeltsin? I mean, sorry, what did Gorbachev do? what was his role after leaving office like the last 20 years of his life well it's, uh was he, i think 30, it's, 30 yeah. years sorry was yeah. he in the 30 years was he seen on tv in the media was he out there much well for 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 some time yes he actually even uh he even stood for presidency it's one of the elections i think maybe it was in uh, uh when putin was uh elected the first time i think oh, wow uh, so he kind of he uh, he uh, he actually first of all he he became one of the founders of the new newspaper the Nova Gazeta which is the uh, used to be the main uh, kind of free media the first yes. and the biggest free media and now they clo- they shut yeah. shut it down yeah and he he's still one of the owners I mean up until his death he still had a, a share like twenty five percent or something like this in this newspaper i think if I, I might be mistaken but he but he definitely was a shareholder in this and so he basically he was still kind of in public life but kind of in the early 90s i think he was more kind of under the radar but then like towards the like to the, like late 90s he started to, he became a member of some kind of party of some political party and uh, he kind of even stood for presidency once after this 
but since Putin's been president, and of course this was partly because of the age and partly because of just, you know, not being relevant anymore, he was just mostly kind of, you know, just giving lectures and, you know, uh, supporting some uh, kind of political movements and kind of uh, the charity, charity stuff, mostly kind of this whole kind of uh, pro-liberalization democratic uh, thing. But he was, it was, of course, mutually understood that he would never do something that would be upsetting to the current government and they wouldn't do something to him, you know, right. just because it's like the one kind of, if a person was a head Tradition. of state, that means he's protect he's protected for life, you know. For, could, for, he, from the, could he make money? Like our former presidents, they all do, they all give speeches fees. for like Exxon and uh, Halliburton yeah, yeah, yeah. and all these companies that pay him like $500,000. sure Gorbachev must have done that. Right. Give him like he, he was, I, I think he was doing a lot of that. I think he made a lot of money in the 90s. He was doing that in the West. He was doing it in yeah. America, oh, yeah, Europe, there you go. Uh, giving lectures. I know he yeah, met my old boss, De Niro, at an event. But once. I thought I that the lectures <laughs> in America, they're kind of a front for really, we just want to pay you this money so that we can get stuff done in power. It's like, you come talk to us for 30 minutes, we'll give you $500,000. Like, nobody's that good of a speaker, you know? Well, <laughs> don't sell yourself short, Turner. But yeah, you're, I mean, great, you're great on Monday. But <laughs> I know uh, what the country comes to pay you. What would I, why would they pay him? I, or maybe it's just like actual universities paid him. No, no, it was, it was actual person. university lectures. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like this sort of lecture. Oh, I don't know if it's 500 k but yeah. I, I, I still, I still think getting Hillary that, you know, Clinton money. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was, uh, I think he was still getting kind of, you know, more than a regular speaker just because he's like an important historical sure, figure and course. they were kind of supporting But it wasn't a buy-off it, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like five, five, yeah, they, there's nothing he could actually do for, yeah. for any of his people. So just kind of, uh, I think he just lived a normal, more or less normal life. Uh, and uh, in his recent interviews, he always spoke about like that he would do stuff differently, some stuff if he knew, like if he had the knowledge then. But in general, he kind of always maintained that he was kind of he did what he was he he did uh, what he was able to, and uh, he's kind of you know proud of the general direction, like of the, the general kind of idea of what he was doing, even though he said like oh some of the things that obviously I would do differently. Can Cap I tell you? Wait, Cap, I just can I ask you, did you meet him with De Niro or not? I didn't meet him. I just had a picture <laughs> I saw. But okay. I wanted to tell you, I looked it up. I just Googled this. And the first speaking fee I saw in 1998, he was paid $150,000 to speak somewhere. Whoa. <laughs> you'll, ne you'll never guess who it was for. Can I, you want to take one guess? Or, <laughs> uh, who, who, what it do you think the, the organization? The it's, like a, it's an organization. It's like an NGO. It's like a charity. NAACP. No, that'd be better mm -hmm. even, but it was the women's international zionist organization fundraiser in miami <laughs> so you know, he was, there was a dispute where he was saying twenty five thousand, but this this newspaper says one hundred fifty thousand dollars. so yeah wow. look at that Make, zionist oh like do you know zionist of course he knows uh, what's a zionist. That? zionist you know what a zionist is oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. in russia you know <laughs> oh, okay they know I don't know. Then he's gonna he's thinking of immigrating to Israel. If you need a country to go to, I can vouch for you. I'll say you're I'll say you're uh, he's already in Germany. Jewish. What do you mean a I country know, but to if, go to? If something goes wrong, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. That's it, everybody. I think we're out of time. That's the podcast. Uh Oleg, thanks so much for doing it, man. East West Comedy Club, everybody. Check it out in Berlin. Kaplan, we might have to go over there and do a show. I think that sounds like an excellent idea. Now that East First West. Now that we're allowed we'll, to travel again. We want to put, we'll put the wall back up and we'll knock it down and we'll have. Oh, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> good, 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 good we'll do it for like a YouTube video. <laughs> for a YouTube video. There you go. There's my, don't steal that. Rebuild the wall and then knock it down. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oleg, thanks so much, man.
Thanks, guys. Thank you. Always great to be here. You know, yeah. If if, yeah. if there's going to be any more uh, terrible events coming from Russia, which there will be, uh, I have you can, a feeling. You can count on me I'm not a betting it. man. I don't have a time machine, <laughs> but I have a feeling there might be. Hate to tell you, <laughs> time machine. So that's we'll... it. <laughs> Uh, Kaplan, that's the podcast. What should we do? On that note, let's. They, the Germans don't have a word for this, but get lost. Oh, get lost and download my album on iTunes. The link is in the comments. All right, get lost. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.